Magazine to three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Osmond steps into a long-distance jumper. Allen to the bucket. He crushes it home. Off the Garland for three. He knocks it down. Drummond toward Valanciunas. Finds a cutter in the Coro, and a Coro thunders it home. By Kyrie. Sexton got it back. Nance for the tie. He knocks it down. Long hands it off the Sexton feed. Cavaliers by seven. And uh, Cleveland! This is for you! Ashley, let's just start here. I'm going to ask you something that is going to be very boring for some people, but I, I know you have thoughts on I have thoughts on. You want to talk about media access in the age of Zoom? It, on Zoom, you mean, you said? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah because it's, it's weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. Um, and it, it's been odd to... I don't know, like to go back and forth, essentially, right? Because obviously I cover a lot of high school sports in my job. So none of that's on Zoom, which is fine. Um, And things are relatively normal there. But, you know, before I started at the Beacon Journal and was still in my previous job in Toledo and covering college sports, that was all on Zoom. Obviously, the Cavs stuff is all on Zoom that um, I've done. So it, it just is very strange. And especially like with the Cavs, a team that, you know, I covered through normal times for like three years. Um, it's definitely strange to get this, you know, see the differences now, I guess. Yeah, no, you and I, like, that's how we got to know each other, was covering games in person, um, being there, like, very late after playoff games and things, and, like, you know, we'd wait a while, but I felt like it, you'd be, like, like, you get the rush of working in the arena, like, you get yeah. the vibe of, like, getting to talk to people and, like, interact with other people, and now it's, like, you know, like, the Kings game, like, we're just sitting on, you're just sitting on Zoom, and, like, you can't do anything, you know, like, yeah. you're just sitting on Zoom, and it's, like, no one's talking to each other because it's awkward, and, like, um, like it just it just is, and like it's just it's weird. And I also just like think if you're a fan of the league, if you're a fan of any sport, like I, I think, I think like this stuff matters, right? Like I think ultimately, yeah. like I understand that people like you know, media grabbing about things is one thing, but I think this access matters. I think that like, um, I think like us getting to talk to people in person matters, like and and little interactions with you know even if it's Cavs people that we're just trying to build relationships with it matters and i think your quality of coverage matters and i I, you know i you i think the divide between like the nba isn't as bad as like some college programs or like i I have friends that have like covered ohio state and it's like you won't sometimes like like when justin fields is there like you may not get him at all you might get the third string quarterback but you might not get justin fields and like no shit the third string quarterback but like everyone wants to hear from justin fields um and it's tricky and like you know it's 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 quite weird um yeah, no, I mean, I think I think just you kind of hit the nail on the head with the importance of being able to talk to people in person. Like, you kind of can't undervalue that because now, and it's, it's like it's not necessarily the fault of the league or the teams or the comms people on the teams. Like, it obviously well, is just well, what they I, have I to have, do I right have now comms with people COVID. Takes, I, will not, I have comms people take comms takes I won't share. Because I don't want to get like yelled at, but like I, I think that, I think certain teams 
are better at it than others. And and, you, and and during normal times and during times like this, I do think there are teams that are more like willing to foster interaction, right? Like I think the Warriors yeah. are Cavs. People have to hate this, but like the Warriors are famously very good at this. Um, like yeah. I, I share, I've shared the story before, but it's like when I was in college and I was just like an, an idiot reporter writing a story about DJ Cooper when I was at Ohio University. Like <laughs> Evan. Um, I, uh, I, you know, was watching, I was, I was writing a story about DJ Cooper going to the pros and he, uh, was playing for the Warriors summer league team. And I like DM'd Ray, I emailed Raymond Ritter, their head of PR and was like, Hey, like, uh, can I talk to your assistant coach? And he's like, well, no, but like, I'll give you Travis Schlenk who signed him. And I'm yeah. like, I got to talk with Travis Schlenk who now runs the Hawks for like 45 minutes by yeah. DJ Cooper. Like, like, it's just like, like good luck ever getting that with the Cavs. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. just never going to happen. Um, I get it. Like I get it sometimes. And like they fostered with me before. Like I was able to talk to Colin one-on-one before his rookie year and stuff, but like that is what it is. We have a question from below from James. What's the coolest, most memorable interaction both of you have had? Ashley, do you have like a interview <laughs> that like, or like whether it's at Michigan or with the yeah. covering Cavs games that has stands out to you? So my Cavs one is funny. And Chris, I think you were there for it. It would have been 2018 in the playoffs against Boston. I don't remember which game it was. But remember when I asked Ty about basically, you know, they were picking on Terry Rozier with the the, um, pick and roll actions. Like LeBron just went at him every single game. And Ty, like... I forget what exactly he said, but he was like, you're, you're too smart. Like, I can't answer that question. And he did that like multiple times to me, like with questions I asked him, which obviously um, I'm sure everyone remembers how Ty would kind of be effusive with just about anything game plan wise. But um, that just was like funny to me because he was, he was always like super nice to me when I asked those kinds of questions and would say stuff like that, that I think honestly like made me look better than it should have um so that's definitely definitely up there um as far as stuff at michigan like just given the time i spent on that beat in in uh the year and a half or so that i was there and the kinds of stories i was able to do um you know i don't i don't know if one thing necessarily stands out um i guess the the one day we had an availability with uh juan howard and he was like getting up there and just talking about this granola bar he was eating or something <laughs> and like you know this cracks me up when people just like you know coaches will talk about stuff like that and you know i like to have a conversation with them even yeah. if it's not like a question like that's just part of like forming a relationship so yeah. i was like you know we're in the press conference and i just i'm like you know going back and forth with him about this granola bar and the next day he brings one and throws it at me from the podium oh that's amazing that's amazing but yeah i mean i don't know it's like (laughs) juan i think my experience with the Cavs like helped me develop a relationship with him because obviously he's so much of an nba guy so like being around the Cavs and being around the Cavs when I was during, you know, the LeBron era 2.0, I think helped me develop relationships with all those guys at, at Michigan because, you know, Jawan, I think in a lot of ways runs that program like an NBA team. And yeah. um, obviously that's the kind of media he's used to dealing with. So it definitely helped. Yeah, here I have two. So my number one is, uh, there was a time when Christian Pulisic, Evan's going to roll his eyes here, but when Christian Pulisic had just gotten to Chelsea, 
Um, I was hanging out in the locker room pregame, just seeing who's in there. And then Larry comes through, and I'm like, him and I talked about soccer a couple times. And I think, like, if I asked him a soccer question, he'll be like, oh, that's the guy who always asks me, like, soccer questions. Um, but I was like, which one of the goal? And we, which goal was your favorite? And we just sat there talking about, like, the, the goals for a couple minutes. And it was just very chill. Larry's, like, a very normal dude. Um, like, the most normal, like, athlete at, at the NBA level I think I've ever talked to. One of, except for Kyle Korver. Except Kyle Korver had, like, an organic snack guy. Um, when he was with the Cavs, like he had a guy that would always like be giving him like some like like really like clean looking snacks like after games and stuff. Um, yeah, the college one's good because like I remember like I was at OU like I like there was just like Saul Phillips when I he was there towards the end of my time and he would just like bullshit with us about basketball stuff for a while. Like I I talked to him once for like thirty minutes about like Ken Palm and analytics and it was like a very like illustrative conversation. Um. Those things, but those things can be kind of rare, and I think like with NBA players, I think it can be kind of rare. It's one of the reasons that like I think covering the WNBA would be amazing, is because like they're just more eager to talk for whatever. Reason. I was gonna and, say covering covering them rules because you can talk to like yeah. whoever you want to. They're so open. Like yeah, those are some of my favorite athletes that I think like I've ever talked to. Like Neka Gumake might be like the best interview I've ever ever had. Like it just is. They're great, truly. Yeah, like I, I, like it's it's nuts when you like see like the NBA people talking about how you can get like Stewie one on one, or you can get like you know like you know like Sue Bird or can like maybe it's a little less accessible. You can get like really high profile players. No, I was gonna say um, I was like twenty twenty two, you know, and kind of covering the WNBA in my spare time when I lived in DC. And yeah, I mean, I remember talking to Sue Bird like one on one when they played the Mystics. Like that's insane. Like she yeah, was probably the- like, who is this kid reporter? But yeah. it, I mean, it's true. Like every pretty much every star in the league I've talked to one on one at some point in in time. Um, um, and it truly is some of the best like basketball conversations I think you you can have are with WNBA players. Hey everyone, Evan here. Chris and I'll be right back with more of the best of our locker room sessions for the month of March. But I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Death at the Wing. I'm excited to tell you about a new podcast I think you're really going to love called Death at the Wing. It's a sport documentary podcast hosted by Adam McKay, writer and director of The Big Short, Vice, and Anchorman. 1980s basketball saw players like Magic Johnson and Dr. J becoming household names bringing a faster and flashier style of play that captivated TV audiences. But along the way to wealth and stardom, the access of the 80s took its toll on the next generation of basketball. Never in the history of any sport have we seen so many who were ready to become stars face tragic deaths in such a short time frame. McKay is joined by sports journalists and experts who lived through these moments in history to explore the overlooked phenomenon and the web of social, political, and cultural forces at play. If you love The Last Dance of 30 for 30, I think you're going to love Death of the Wing. Search for Death of the Wing wherever you get your podcasts and start listening. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes of the Locked On Today podcast. Host Pete Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts like Chris and myself. Follow the Locked On Today podcast with the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Probably the same place you find Locked On Cavs. Yeah, um, that's that's a good. I, I admit I don't like. I'm not going to go back to a game until um, like I I don't have to do Zoom because there's no point in me going if I can't talk to anyone one on one or like actually like walk around in the arena. Like I don't really see the upside of covering a game. Um, unless I'm able to actually like talk to people again in, in a meaningful way, but it's like I think um, I, I think like it's tricky on Zoom and it's just hard to like. Just, I mean, you can go through agencies and stuff, but then it gets still gets hard to like 
figure kind of stuff out in that sense. Okay, we got another question from James. Um, if the Cavs <laughs> fall outside the top five of the draft, can we just draft Paige Beckers? Look, I just think, the, like, bring back the Rockers. If we don't have an WNBA team in Cleveland by the time Paige Buckets is eligible to be drafted, I'll take. I'll settle for riot. Van Lith. I'll settle for <laughs> Zia Cook. I'll take... <laughs> Like I'll take uh, you know that Felton class is going to be insane. Like oh, when yeah, the, the yeah. draft is, um, like and there's just like also another reason not. Like I think a team will you'll get a team in Ohio when they expand next. I don't know what um, I do not know what market it will be in. I know from talking about it and asking about it, and I think Evan has heard the same uh, that like Columbus yeah. is on the list. Yeah, Columbus um, is on the short list for WNBA teams if the Cavs wanted to enter that venture. They don't yeah, if, if the current as yeah. viable as Columbus. Yeah, and I, I can understand that somewhat because it is like a younger population somewhat. I, I, I tend to think that if you're going to have a team in the summer, you wouldn't get the Ohio State bump quite as much as you think you might. And I think the crew even have a really hard time kind of maximizing that in terms of like ticket revenue and stuff. But um, I think Columbus would have you seen their will new be on the list. stadium, my guy. Okay, but yeah, okay. yeah, but, okay, yes, but they have to move into the heart of the city to get that, and it's like, okay, what kind of arena setup are would you get in in Columbus for the WNBA team? Like, are you gonna go into like the old one of the old Ohio State arenas? Like, are you gonna go into? I feel like um, they play nationwide like some, and try and keep them in the arena district. Yeah, probably, probably you'd have to. I think. I think you'd really. I have mean, to. it's. I don't know if they do the shot because the shots. I don't know what the capacity is. But I think it's massive, and I don't know if Ohio State's really going to budge on that. But Look, as, as someone who would just like to cover a Cleveland WABA team, I'm biased. Put him at the Rock, put him there in the summer, and let's go. Like, let's just... I, I don't think there's... like I think if you want to invest in something that would be... have a lot of growth market potential, like, that, that is it. Uh, page, page, page Buckets in Cleveland would be, like, the t-shirt economy. Oh, my goodness. Dude, all the Cleveland t-shirt companies would be tripping over themselves to get the best designs for that. Yeah. Like, whoever, like, can, you know, does GV get, like, the brand signature? Does, like, where I'm from do it? Does Homage get in in the game? Like, you got some options there. Um, actually, let's let's turn to Michigan for a second, because you covered them. Um, can I just ask you, what do you think of Franz? What do you think of Franz Wagner? Like, when you say, what do I think of Franz, do you mean, like... In like, college, is he good? or I mean, like, is he I good? think I've always thought he was good. I mean, I thought he was impressive with what he did his freshman season. Um, he's very good at talking with the media, which they they trotted him out a lot last year. Obviously, this year I didn't cover them, so can't speak to that. Um, you know, I think it was good for him to come back to college, especially um, because there was some talk, and I'm sure Chris, this might not have even been on your guys's radar as much as it was on mine, since I was very actively dealing with it at the time. But there was some speculation, like was he going to leave after his freshman year or or come back? And obviously, he ended up coming back, and I, I think that's good. You know, I think he, if if they would have made been at full strength and made a full run through the postseason essentially <laughs> and I know I think I, I picked them to go to the final four um, even with Isaiah Livers out because I thought a lot of people were kind of underestimating them um, whether they would get past Gonzaga at full strength I don't know I think that's still a question considering how prolific the offense is but um, you know I think had had they had this normal postseason run I think that would be a lot of you know a um a trendy name when it comes to the draft. If if he would have had a chance to like really you know show off in the final four, like all if he had, stuff, well, if he, so. if he had stuck that three last night because he airballed. The I know three, that would have been that would have been, been the moment. It, but yeah, yeah, 
it would have that that's like the the um the signature kind of moment I think that people latch on to when they're doing like you know talking about the draft or doing draft analysis and um all that stuff but you know I think in a lot of ways for in college at times he's been I don't want to say overlooked because it's not like he's not on anyone's radar, but I think the last two years, especially like livers has been such a big name on that team and a huge part of that team. And obviously Franz is still an underclassman, but you know, I think I, I was impressed with him watching him play as a freshman last year. And like I said, I think developmentally it was good for him to, to come back to Michigan and, you know, work with Juwan, especially at least this, this year here. <laughs> Yeah, if they're if the Cavs pick outside the top five, I think he's um I think in play. Uh, we have a speaker yeah. request. Ant's gonna come up here on stage and join us. Ant, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what How's you got going? a question for us? Hey, so uh, just a like a uh, a piggyback on the uh, Franz Wagner stuff. Um, you guys still have did Dylan Sw- uh, Swindler, right? Yeah, Dylan Winler, Yeah. okay 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 um i mean if you're in need of like a guy like an ak-47 type with a little bit better offense uh i think franz um is gonna be good right there i mean here you're talking about like six nine six six ten good wingspan um and he's only 19 years old so yeah um i think there's a lot of ups a, a lot of upside there I think that's like a great comparison, honestly, like kind of like a better Dylan Windler. Like, truthfully, I mean, he's it's, so it's definitely Franz, fair, I think. Well, Franz like tweets that he needs to be taken off Cleveland's bench entered the rotation. Oh, the dog. Oh, we got it. Do we have another? Oh, my God. I'm, I, no, I, I, I thought I sent it to you the other night. Like I was going through Dylan's likes and somebody said Dylan Windler needs to get off or like needs to play and get some burn or something like that like people people just so people understand NBA players definitely do search their own name a good amount like uh torian prince does it like he's like tweets about people saying he sucks like that's a thing that is that isn't happening um i the ak-47 andre karolinko cop um is interesting i i definitely think he's in play if you're outside the top five if you're if you're cleveland um the draft process will obviously boost his stock but he's been listed as like a, a top 12-ish guy, I think, on most boards. Maybe ESPN has him a little lower, like a 20 or something like that, but, you know. Uh, Tankathon has him at 12, and KOC has him at 9, and they yeah, have okay. Kispert slightly above him, who I'm a lot lower on than Franz. Yeah, um, the, yeah, and I think the creation stuff with Kispert's a little concerning. Um, but, I mean, like, I, I love KOC, but he also had, like, Killian Hayes at 1, and that's, like, that's a wild take, my guy. All right, we have another question here uh, from Ryan Jordan. Uh, who do you think is better on de- who, the, who do you think is better on defense right now between Sexton and Garland? Garland seems to have much better instincts in jumping and passing lanes and when to help and when not to. Can be honest with you, I don't know if I feel like there's a tangible difference. I don't yeah, really know if that's I feel like one. I, is, I don't like yeah. know if I feel that one is better than the other. I, I really don't. I, and that's like a cop out, but I just feel like they're both kind of like trying harder, and that's all I can really ask for for them. Yeah, that, that's probably yeah, that's, fair. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's really hard to take, like, a true litmus test or, like, how good this Cavs team is because they're back in the top half of the draft for a reason. So I can't really, like, properly evaluate, but both of them are pretty bad. Can I, here, okay, here's a hypothetical. Do you feel like you can build, if you draft correctly, if you develop correctly, can you build a top 15 defense that's not just, like, a first week of the season top five defense? 
with those two as your starting backcourt. Can you is that possible if you build the rest of the roster correctly? No, I don't think so. And I've gotten arguments with people about how I don't think it's smart team building in general to have two six one guards at your one and two spots. Like I know people like to you guys are going to have so many people in your mentions again, so I'm staying out of this. <laughs> That's fair, but. People point at like Utah, people point at Portland, and I'm just like, those are isolated examples. And Cleveland does not have Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell or David and CJ McCollum. Like, you can, people can slander Rudy Gobert all they want. Rudy Gobert is like an incredibly impactful defender in terms of at least regular season defense and making Utah like, like the other night, it was really hard for the Cavs to navigate the size. It took the Cavs like two, three quarters for their guards to figure out how to navigate that a little bit. Like, he's good. Like, Rudy Gobert's, like, an impactful player in that sense. Um, he's a really good player. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's possible, but I think you'd have to, like, have, like, plus-plus defenders at 3-4-5. Like, Okor would have to hit in the maximum way possible. Allen has to hit his ceiling as a defender. Um, yeah. All right, so we got another question uh, from Chris Carpentine. I'm mispronouncing that, Chris. I apologize. How do you feel... Like, how do y'all feel about a Mobley Allen front court? I mean, I'm a, I'm a knives. I'm gonna have a knives out meme where it's like, this confuses me, but it compels me though. That's what I feel about that. That's where I'm at. <laughs> knives out. How do you? How do you? Are you guys in on Mobley reference? Yeah, no, you know I'm in on Mobley. I've been on, I've been in on Mobley even before the college season started just because of his name, but I. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I think he intrigues me. He reminds me a little bit of Chris Bosh, maybe a little bit of um, kind of what I was hoping Okung Wu would be with Atlanta or with Atlanta with a good team. He has a little bit of Christian Wood vibes too. I know people are throwing the Anthony Davis comp out, but I think that's a little extreme because Anthony Davis is a quite different beast. But I think Mobley's really good. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is another player he reminds me of just because of the rebounding stuff. But I think he'll be really good, and I think it, it would work in Cleveland. But at the same time, let's say the Cavs view Mobley as a five. They now have another trade asset in Jared Allen, which they could probably get quite a bit for if they really wanted and felt inclined to move him. I, I think I think, I think Mobley's ceiling is a lot higher than Allen's. And if you view him as a five, you can't bring Allen off the bench. That's I don't know. I just don't think that's going to work because that's the well, whole reason why he wanted out of Brooklyn because he's benched for DeAndre freaking Jordan. Well, it's also just, like, not good cap management. Like, if you're going to pay Jared Allen, like, $15 million a year or, or, like, $18 million a year or whatever, like, it's not good, like, asset management to do that, right? Like, it's just not good to then, like, spend a bunch of money on, on and build that way. Like, I guess, like, you know, he'll be on a cheap contract to start um, in terms of Mobley. But I, I, I think the only, like, pro- like, it's tough, but I think, like, the prospects that I'm most intrigued by and if how the Cavs are to build would be, Kate obviously, but I think I'm I Jalen Green just to maybe replace like the KPJ energy uh, that I think this team kind of misses as a dynamic, just kind of like bucket getter um, and a little bit of a bigger size. I think is something they miss a little bit. Maybe Jalen Green's that Kaminga, like it's those type of guys that intrigue me more than than Mobley for Cleveland specifically. But I think if he's like there at two or if you're three, that's the case. But like, and we obviously don't know where they're gonna pick. And like they could obviously, I just feel like they might be like in a time loop, like it's Groundhog Day, two movie references, where they're just picking at five again, right? Like, they, like it wouldn't shock me if that was just, like, where they end up again. It's like, okay, like, it's hard to build in that spot. Like, Orlando obviously just but had to blow everything up because, like, they just ended up pick, like, picking in all that range. Well, this year's draft's a little different, though. It's like a top five, top six draft, depending on okay, how. Okay, but, but we say that, feel, and then, but... like, 
three of these people are not going to work out. Well, you know, like a bunch of like some of these guys are not going to work out in the way that we talk about them now. That's that's not anything on them in terms of their talent levels. Of the top five, Jalen Suggs makes the least sense for Cleveland, but I could understand why they pick him if they want to move on from Garland or Sexton as well. But yes, I mean Kuminga, Green, Mobley, and Cunningham all make sense on the Cavs. Hey everyone, that's my Evan top here five again. Right Chris now. and I got to pay those bills, so we got one more quick ad break for you. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, like my personal favorite, Bachelor in Paradise, which won't be back this year, but it'll be back soon. And when it's back, I can use those real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but only if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts and the exclusive betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is an amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now's the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is between cookies and cream and cookie dough chunk. And personally, this is a tough decision. Like if I had to put, if I had children and I had to put my two children in front of me, this is that tough of a decision if I had to sacrifice one. But I would choose cookies and cream in the end. My girlfriend is glaring at me as I say this. Go to BuiltBar.com or use or go to at bar underscore Built on Twitter. Remember, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, that is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast on, on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts, probably the same place you find Locked On Cavs. Well, they shouldn't be picky either. I think that's Yeah, no, the, the Cavs, that's something I've been clear of this entire time is like, fans should never be too particular about who the Cavs select because the Cavs are starting for talent at most positions. Like they got Larry Nance, who is a good piece to have. They have Jared Allen. It's a good piece to have. These are all good pieces like Sexton and Garland are great or not great, but they're good too. But you can't be too picky or particular based on position. You draft best player available. And then with this draft class, at least, and especially next year's draft class, let's say that kid from Michigan who committed to Michigan state, um, ends up really being the real deal. Like, that's a player the Cavs should keep Bates. their eyes on, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Emmanuel Bates, yeah. that's it. So, like, there's not a bunch of bad options for Cleveland if they end up in the lottery again next year. It's not the end of the world, but, yeah, they can't be too picky. If there's ever been a time for Dan to pull those Michigan State strings and rig something, it's to get Imani Bates. <laughs> right, for real. Yeah, no. If there's ever I been mean, a time. I kind of agree with Evan just about the... You know, at this point, you you just got to go with who's the best available almost. Like you said, there are certain cases like Suggs where it, it doesn't make sense. But at this point, man, just just keep trying to get the talent and, and accumulate that while you can and see. 
this team is just weird, I think, is, like, the biggest thing. I just feel like I have, like, such a hard time, like, evaluating them, and I don't think, like, the, the discourse around it is particularly good, but it's, like, I just look at, like, the net ratings, and I look at just, like, the, the, the losing streaks and things, and I understand it's a weird season. The, the roster right now is depleted. I just, like, don't know how you, like, completely can argue that um, everything is, like, coherent right now, you know? I just don't know how – I say this a lot, I feel like, but I just don't know how you can look at this and feel like – this is there the like the, the, the structure is all like in place already, right? Like I just don't know if I'm feeling good saying that if I'm if I'm them trying to like balance all this out. It's just sort of like okay, you're still kind of in the woods. Like you're not like you, yeah. you haven't figured out like how to get out of the woods yet. You're kind of still figuring it out. Um, yeah, it's weird. And like you have like the like like Kevin Love is still around, and like you know Larry obviously I think wants to be here, and like actually just you just wrote about his leadership, and I think that's really important. But it's like like these are like you still have to I think like figure out like what you actually are. And it's really hard for me to gauge, like, if they even, like, think they know what they are. It's kind of weird. It's funny, like, from, and again, this might be kind of boring since it's, like, reporter perspective stuff, but I was, like, thinking about while we're sitting here talking, and this is, like, the first team that I've covered, like, ever. And obviously I'm not on the Cavs beat full-time now, but it just is the first team I've covered where there's not like legitimate championship aspirations, like, and and not just like the first NBA team I've, you know, dealt with or the first Cavs team. Like I'm thinking through the rest of my career and, you know, every time I covered the Indians in Cleveland, like legitimate world series hopes those years. And then, um, covering Michigan last year it's like basketball was pretty good in Juwan Howard's first year and Michigan going into the 2019 season was picked to win the Big Ten like I'm just going through it now and it's weird to have these conversations and come into the Cavs like currently and just the dynamic of things that you are asking as a reporter are just like totally different and I mean obviously compared to like 2015 through 2018 the cabs it's like night and day it also just funny i feel like i understand like even just like them talking about them and like that at the time like maybe it's just like changes in leadership and things but i just feel like it was just i was very envious of every beat reporter basically that that goes on a call or like blogger whomever that was like on a call with like a gm this week in like a media scrum because i just like think it'd be interesting to ask those questions right now you know, like the Cavs obviously didn't make any like franchise changing moves at the deadline, but it's like I, I have questions. Like I have things I'm like curious about, um, you know, like and it's also just another one of those things where it's like if you're not in the arena, like the chances of you like seeing Kobe Altman or, or Mike Gansey or, or whomever and like grabbing them off to the side for a few messages, at least getting some background information is like non-existent. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot easier to ignore like an email or like a request through PR than it is to like grab them in person and talk to them. Um you know, like, you, Chris, you, like, like what I ask what do you think? I mean, I've gotten the vibe and impression that players really like this virtual situation. Oh, yeah. I think teams will keep this permanent because, I mean, obviously the players don't have to talk to media if they don't want to. Like the Cavs kind of sometimes like really to scramble. They run two rooms, but the, usually the second room doesn't get used because most players don't want to talk. Do you think this is going to be a permanent thing or do you think they're going to let us go back in the locker room? Because I don't know if they will let us. I think if they don't, I, my take would be that if they don't, if they say there's no more locker room access, I think you will see some kind of thing like a soccer mix zone where like players have to walk through it at some point. Um, teams already like sort of screwed the rules, like on like players like needing to at least be available, like in theory in the locker room for a little bit after games. Like it is like, and you know, media, we sort of let it go by because it's sometimes like, 
like I like you know like the fifteenth guy on the team, you don't really need to talk to them after like a, a random game. Like right, like I, I can think of a bunch of times like where like Ashley and I'd be like waiting for LeBron during like the last year, and it'd be like Jake Crowder would just like get to leave. You know, like no one cared. You know what I mean? Like there, yeah. there's a bunch of those situations. Um, I I don't think you're going to be able to like. I think we're already at a sports media like access crisis point in a lot of ways. I think uh, I think there are a lot of complicated reasons for that. I think some of it is like people, a lot of people, whether it's teams or, or players or agents or, or coaches or whomever, like inflating like the Stephen A's and the that group of people with like people that are actually like covering the team, you know. Um, but I think that like. People will, I think, like, media members in the PW, uh, Red Association, with bigger platforms, I think if things, if they don't say, if it's in a locker room, you will see some kind of pushback against that, and you will get some kind of middle ground of it. What that looks I was, like, I don't know, but I don't know. I was going to say the, the importance of, like, the, you know, writers' associations for all of these sports, I think, are can't be uh, overstated. You know what I mean? Like, they're, I think something is going to, things are going to have to come back because otherwise you're going to have a bunch of mad media members who won't shut up about it until there's some kind of access given back. Um, so well, and, I mean, and, yeah, and like, it would like, it would mean a lot of like, it's like people like at ESPN in particular, I think. Yeah. Are like, Hey, I know we're a TV partner, but like, this is, this is a loss for everyone. You can't, we can't do this. Yeah, like I think the I think the league is going to kind of weigh that sort of stuff and be like, oh well, you know, it's 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 safe to come back, whatever. We're we're giving back, you know, locker room access or or like you said, some kind of compromise. Um, if they say, hey, you know, we don't we don't know, COVID is still a thing, blah blah blah, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's it's definitely not going to be like this forever. That would be uh, definitely get a lot, a lot, a lot of pushback for the reasons we we talked about at the top. I mean, like it it kills your ability to form relationships and um, all that sort of. I do. I know it makes a good point that even with credit in the in the chat below, like, even if you have credentials, you do get limited access. Like that, that's hundred percent true. And like, like if guys don't want to talk, like I'm I'm good with that. Like right, like I'm I'm okay with that. If you really don't want to. I think that's okay. Um, I, I think there is just something that I, I can't explain what it is. I don't have like enough time to figure it out or whatever, or like do it, nor do I want to like dive down this rabbit hole. But I think at some point, like something just kind of changed and it's just different now. And it's just, it's, I don't know how you really even walk it back. Like, I really do think that like um, Brian Curtis at the ringer wrote a really good piece about this, like maybe a year ago or something. Maybe, I don't know. Time is, who knows what time is anymore, but like, there's already like this crisis for access in European stuff, because it's just like, you don't get like, you can't go to, there's no locker room access at the, at big football clubs. Like, you know, players can go through a mix zone, but it's like, I can't tell you the last time I saw like a, um, you know, like a, like Lionel Messi, like post game interview or something. You'll get like the, the managers and things pregame or whatever, but like you, it's you don't always get like quotes. Or sometimes if you get them, they're like under embargo. You know, like they're like you will have to like hold them, uh, like for a certain amount of time. Then you're, everyone's releasing their stories at the same time, and then what you get is like you either can get more analysis stuff and sort of like observation stuff, or maybe you can like get some quotes from like whatever out of it, or you get a lot more like gossipy transaction based things. Like that—that's where this goes, and that's sort of to me that's sort of unfortunate as someone who's like, I want to read the three thousand word profile. Like, I want to write. I want to get a chance to write a 
5,000 word profile at some point, right? Like that, that, that is more in like, it's worse to me. And then maybe like, like the best interview I had, and actually I'm curious if you have this experience. Like I did a Cleveland magazine thing on, on Liam Eikenberg who played at Ignatius and then played at Notre Dame. And he'll probably be a, a first one or, or day one or day two draft pick for the, in the NFL draft in April or yeah, in April. Um, the best interview I had was just shooting this shit with, with Ignatius is Chuck Kyle for like 30 minutes on the phone. Used five minutes in the interview for the story. It's a really short story. We were just bullshitting about football. And that was fun. That was really fun. And like, I just like, you don't get to do that at a certain level. And that's sort of unfortunate uh, because I think like, frankly, like I, I would like to just be able to shoot the shit with like people about basketball in, in, a, in a meaningful way. That'd be cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I, again, I think that stuff is kind of important to developing these relationships too. So it, it just kind of goes back to, you know, I think better journalism, which in theory is good for everyone. Um, obviously not all stories are going to reflect their subjects positively, depending on what it's about. And that's not our job, but um, you know, I think better, more in-depth journalism you only get by being able to form relationships with people like that. So yeah, you know, I think uh, eventually this is all going to have to come to a head and probably like sooner rather than later. You know, I'd like to think with the pandemic, especially we're closer to the end than the beginning now. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's going to have to come back for these, those reasons. Yeah, I think that's fair. Evan, um, you have any things you want to throw in the chat here before we wrap this up? Anything you want to like throw out there to talk about? Well, uh, we haven't really gotten an update on Larry Nance Jr. yet, so I don't know if he'll be available against Philly. I don't know if Joel Embiid's going to play, but I doubt Jared Allen's going to play, so it's going to be another do, tough task for Hartenstein. Uh, does yes or no? Does he get two fouls under a minute again? Yes, if he's going up against Embiid or even Dwight Howard. Yes. Yeah. Is Embiid back? Yeah, I agree with that. I'm checking, I'm checking the injury report to see if there's anything up. Well, it's not going to be until 1.30, but I can check last night's. Um, did Philadelphia play yesterday? I don't know. Yeah, they played uh, Denver last night. Lost to Denver. Uh, okay. Well, while I've been doing that, Ashley, just tell everyone where they can find your work. Um, we didn't really interview at the beginning because I was being a bad host. Tell everyone they can find your work, find you on Twitter, and, and follow along there before we get out of here. Yeah, well, all my work is on my Twitter, so that's that's helpful. Um, at Ashley Bastock forty two on Twitter, and yeah, I mean, I tweet all of my stories out, obviously, but I think my my link in my bio is to my my specific author profile, so um, everything's right there in one easy spot. Yeah, go check her work out. Uh, she does a lot yeah, of really good work. Ashley covering the, the caps we'll be getting to cover them more going forward which is exciting um we'll have her on the pod again this week or next week i, haven't, I don't even remember anymore but uh we're gonna have her on to talk some more cap stuff and and break down some games and things and um actually out of the three of us actually played basketball at the highest level because she played john carroll and evan and i are, are evan was a wrestler and i was you know washed up at like six i coached youth basketball for three years my man <laughs> so i got some I yeah, he's got that touch. coach's knowledge that i don't possess yeah. Yeah, Evan was actually no. just like breaking down tape. Actually, like, no, guys, the perfect podcast: the mind of a coach and the mind of a player. We get <laughs> and some bias context. And God, go. I'm just I'm gonna get fired. Uh, Evan's just gonna get me fired here for for my repeated whinings and movie references. That's what's gonna happen to me. Um, spreadsheets. 
Look, man, I'm just trying to stay organized and not have panic attacks. That's like really my life goal. Not have panic attacks all the time. That, that's that's my life. That's fair. Um, to update you on Embiid, though, Doc said that he is upgrading to on-court activity, so I don't think he'll play against Cleveland tomorrow. And why yeah, would part, he? They're, they're yeah. leading the Eastern Cup. They're one of the best teams in the East. There's no need to risk injuring your MVP player against the Cavs. No, so I uh, say Hartenstein will not get two fouls under a minute then. Okay, so Ashley, are you saying Hartenstein or Hartenstein? Because it's Hartenstein because we got he, Angel asked him on the the Zoom, the shoot around Zoom on Monday, and he said okay. Hartenstein. So that's what I'm going with. Okay, then we have and we have half a podcast where we just come alternating between them and we're saying the wrong thing. You I got to start calling the tower crowd because I want to make a T-shirt. Well, and somebody asked <laughs> JB like, because JB obviously talked first on the Monday shoot around, and somebody said, "How do you pronounce Isaiah's last name?" And he's like, "I have just called him Isaiah." So he didn't respect, even know respect. on Monday by the time J- he got there yet. So now, J- now we all know though. JB with the substitute teacher move of being like, "I'm not saying this name. I'm saying the first name," <laughs> and I'm gonna like, uh, and like not really saying it. I respect it. I really respect yeah. that. Yeah. So it was it, funny because we were all trying to figure it out. But um, yeah, we, we got confirmation shortly thereafter on how exactly to say it. You love to say it. All right. We're going to wrap it up there. Uh, we'll be back again next week for lunch with Lockdown Cavs. Uh, talk about some more stuff. We'll see what changes in the next week. Again, check out Ashley's work at the Academic Journal. Evan and I are on Twitter everywhere. You find us. Don't use Twitter, though. It's bad for your brain. And uh, we'll be back with the pod tomorrow. Thanks, everyone, for, for tuning in. Locked on Cavs is your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast covering the latest news, rumors, and game action from the wine and gold. You can follow us on social at Locked on Cavs or give us a call and leave a voicemail and we'll answer your questions live at 440-673-3605. If you want to contact the show, email us at LockedOnCavs at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is by going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and leaving us a five-star rating and review. It's produced and hosted by Chris Manning and Evan Damerl.